Welcome to the latest edition of the Bruin Bible, ESPN Radio 1090, Southern California. Will Decker, your host, Jamal Madden, your co-host. We got a very, very special guest in the house, Mr. NIL himself, the quarterback for the UCLA Bruins, one of my favorites on the field, Mr. Chase Griffin in the house. Chase, first and foremost, how is this Friday treating you rolling into the weekend, my man? It's going well. Had workouts this morning. Had a meeting with our new OC, Coach Vianney, feeling feeling ready to attack the day. We love it, man. And we have so many questions for you. You were always on the short list of people we wanted to have on because Jamal is very much an academic, and we also talk about sports. And you really kind of knocked those two out at just such a high level. But the first question I got for you, man, as somebody coming in from the outside looking in, NIL is doing a lot of things right. I'm very excited about the, you know, pain players in college football. You know, we look back at different circumstances, whether it was the Reggie Bush situation at USC, even your buddy back in the day, Johnny Manziel, and what he brought to Texas A&M and all things like that. But, man, I was wondering if you could tell me, from your perspective, you are two-time NIL Male Athlete of the Year. What is the NIL situation doing right right now? And where do they have to go in terms of catching up to where it can be a situation where it's beneficial for all involved? Well, I, I think on the grand scale, it already has accomplished uh, your latter point where it has the opportunity of being beneficial to everyone who partakes. Uh, I think it puts us on the same level as other students on campus who've been able to monetize their name, image, likeness and ability to work and create value forever. And I think it's important to remember that NIL is not pay for play. Uh, athletes are still not compensated a salary. I'd say even the majority of college players at power five schools uh, still have not, uh, you know, made the amount of money that is reported in the media by certain deals. Uh, when it comes to some of the deals that go wrong or some of the deals that have been highly touted in the media, uh, a lot of the time they're bad actors uh, that have been magnified to a point where people think the entire landscape looks like that. When you look at the 488,000 or so college athletes in the NCAA, the majority of them have not made any money off of NIL. Uh, and when it comes to college athletes in Power Five and revenue generating sports, NIL has really just been a beneficial add to their cumulative college experience. It's been the ability to learn how to earn money, how to manage that money, and how to do it in a way that protects your brand that is, it, it is sustainable. So I think NIL has already been great, and it's sort of been a segue into revenue share, which is pay for play. And the NCAA has already demonstrated through Project D1, which is a proposal uh, by NCAA President uh, Governor Charlie Baker. Uh, and through that, it's an admission that there's a model that can be feasible where athletes are compensated for what they do in a way that continues the industry and helps build the industry rather than destroying college sports. Chase, that's such a great point. And 
Just tremendous work that you've been doing uh, in this space. And we're just so proud as, as Bruins that, that you're an ambassador of the school and, and at the forefront of advocacy, which has such been a part of this university's history for so long. I, I want to segue a little bit and talk about the program. And it's been an exciting last few weeks, certainly with the hiring of Deshaun Foster and just the, the reaction of the team based on that. And then getting a world-class offensive coordinator and Eric the enemy. What are you seeing as the future of the program here this year and just beyond in terms of these folks in place? And what are some changes you think are coming to the program to kind of take it to where we all believe it can be as, as sort of the sleeping giant that is UCLA football? I mean, simply the, the future is bright and I'm always proud to be a Bruin. Uh, I chose UCLA for a reason. But I think the day that, you know, uh, our AD announced that Coach Foster would be our next head coach uh, was one of my proudest days here because it showcased a recommitment to our true Bruin values. You know, Coach Foster is a Bruin, was a great Bruin as a player, I think demonstrates what we need in a coach uh, as a man, as a coach, as an example. And I think as long as the team continues to rally around him, uh, I, I have faith that Coach Foster will continue to make the right moves as a head coach to move us in the right direction. We're going to a new stage, uh, arguably a bigger stage, and I think it's the perfect moment for UCLA to show the country what we're about. Yeah, moving to the Big Ten is going to be very exciting. I want to take it back to young Chase, man. I had been kind of following the situation where you're working with George Whitfield back in the day, man. Whit is one of the best quarterback coaches we have in football. And I was always curious. I'm like, man, there's that young kid that's out there. He's working with, you know, Manziel. I see him with Andrew Luck. I see him with Cam Newton out there. How did you get linked up with Witt? And I was wondering if you could just tell me as a two-part question, you were Gatorade Player of the Year in Texas high school football, man. We are from California. We think we've got pretty good high school football out here. But as anyone that goes from Texas knows, man, Texas football is something serious, a little different. Talk to me about that connection with Wit, and then if you could just kind of dive into what it's like to play under the Friday Night Lights in Texas. Yeah, you're right about Coach Whitfield. He's been a huge blessing in my life, uh, and it, it's a blessing to call him a friend. Um, I got connected to him really through the action of my father. So I'm, I'm always grateful for everything my father has done throughout my entire journey, but we were watching an ESPN special uh, showcasing Coach Whitfield and Warren Moon working with Cam Newton. Yeah. And my boss was like, you play quarterback. We're going to get the best quarterback training for you. This is where the best is at. And so we reached out to the team. Uh, we got a response. And we, we showed up, sight unseen. Uh, our first workout was at uh, University of San Diego. Um, and, and, you know, the rest is history there. He's been a huge blessing in my life. The amount of quarterbacks and, and coaches and, and mentors I've been able to work with really off of that relationship, uh, there, there's no doubt in my mind that God placed, you know, us in each other's lives for, for a reason. Uh, as far as Texas high school football, there's nowhere better. You know, <laughs> I, got guys, I got guys in my locker room from modern day, guys from Bosco, all of that. And they play really good football. They have a lot of really good players. Not the same environment as Texas high school football. Mm -hmm. You know, you you go to a town of eight thousand people or a town of five thousand people, and you pull up, it's gonna feel like the Super Bowl. 
And that's just something that's unmatched in any other state. I'm not even sure if there's anything in the high school realm that sort of matches that. Um, but it was great because it prepared me to play on a stage and represent something larger than myself day in and day out. And I consider myself a performer in, in all walks of life. And as long as I'm still playing football, that applies there greatly. Jay, so, so well said, a performer in all walks of life. And I want to sort of pull on that thread a little bit. You have been described by many as just such a unicorn, as athlete, as student, as activist, as business person, as entrepreneur, as a visionary. So many folks that we've talked to around the program have playfully said and, and realistically said that we, we could be talking to the next president of the United States here down the line. And so... Chase, I, I want to talk to you about one more year here at UCLA playing football. What does the future hold for you? Where do you see yourself in a few years, five years, 10 years? And, and how has perhaps UCLA prepared you uh, on that, that enormous journey? Yeah, I mean, part of this question just really goes to my faith. Um, you know, I can, I can make plans. I can do all that I want, but God guides me through the steps. Uh, something that's been huge for me is figuring out what I'm talented at, where I can add value and maximizing those opportunities and preparing myself that way when those opportunities come, uh, I'm ready to, to deliver. Uh, I'm huge on you know, creating return on investment for, for brands that I work with, but I think I take that same mentality to everything. I think um, you know, I'm grateful that I've had the opportunity to give back to UCLA. I feel like UCLA has invested in me and I've done the same back. Uh, UCLA is where I chose for a reason. Jackie Robinson, Jackie Joyner Kersey, Arthur Ashe, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, so many others have changed the world from this campus. And, you know, UCLA is amazing, but the coolest part about it is it attracts people who are trying to push culture forward. And I think as long as we stay true to that, as long as I stay true to that, uh, wherever it is, whether it be in investing, whether it be in music, whether it be, you know, I never know how the season is go, whether it be football um, and then whether it be media, I think wherever my path takes me, I'll represent myself well, represent my family well, and in turn, I'll represent UCLA well. And I'm proud to be able to do that. That's awesome, man. And, you know, I think we as just a UCLA show, we love kind of everything positive that UCLA brings out to the world. And I just want to know from your perspective, man, you're a high school recruit. You've got offers, man. You're Gatorade Player of the Year within Texas. What schools were you looking at, and what was kind of the final details that made UCLA the right choice for you, Chase, at the end of the day? I think, frankly, if it wasn't UCLA, it would probably would have been Harvard. Uh, oh, wow. I've always wanted me to go to Harvard. I took pride that even if football didn't work out, I would have been able to go everywhere. Uh, I was highly ranked in my class, and I had a high SAT, good PSAT. Um, and and, you know, thankfully, I was able to chase my dream in football and go to a power five D1. Um, but I remember the week that I came out to UCLA and committed later that week, I was supposed to go to Harvard and I may oh, have, wow. um, you know, for me, football is extremely important um, and, and I love the game. That's why I play it. Um, but there's there's certain institutions for me that. I feel like I fit better at, um, and, and Harvard was one of them. And I think in the overall life trajectory, uh, I probably would have done great if I would have chose Harvard. 
but I'm so glad every day that I chose UCLA. Um, it's the place where I'm supposed to be. And I think the past, you know, five or, or yeah, five years that I've been here, uh, I've been proving to myself every day why I made that decision. Oh, that's so great to hear, Chase. And segueing a little bit to the football side of things, what is your expectation of this transition to the Big Ten in terms of just style of play, culturally? And have you seen, even in the time since the announcement and now the, the offseason that's upon us where this transition is taking place, specific changes on the team or with players or focus or uh, in terms of preparation leading into the Big Ten? What is kind of your expectation now with this sort of new world order, if you will? I think... Uh... Whatever team you're playing, whatever conference you're playing, and it's just about putting the best guys in and running the scheme that's best for your guys. And we have coaches who have coached in the NFL, played in the NFL, coached in college, played at a high level in college. And so we just got to put our trust in them that they're going to get us in the right scheme, right formations, put the right guys out there on the field. Um, it doesn't matter who you're playing. Now the Big Ten has some good teams, but there is no real Big Ten style of football. I mean, we just watched the national championship. Those were two teams that, you know, are are Big Ten and uh, two completely different styles of play. Uh, so I think going forward is just about preparing, making sure over the next six months that we're putting our best foot forward in workouts. And then once fall camp comes and spring ball that we're executing and then whoever we're playing each week will make adjustments and as long as we have guys out there who are ready to compete, ready to rep UCLA to this new stage, uh, I'm confident that we'll perform well. Yeah, man. And, you know, a team that you guys beat a couple of years ago in Washington, you know, with Kalen DeBoer and stuff on that sideline. I want to talk about you get in. Your first start is at University of Oregon, man. It is a big time situation. 2020, you get in there and do a pretty admirable job, man, coming in your first career start in college. Take me up to the lead through through that. I mean, we look at it from a fan's perspective of, man, starting quarterback in front of all these fans. I know you've been training for it your whole life, but, man, it is such a crazy situation to kind of put ourselves in. What was the week of the game lead up like for you in that situation? And how have you fared since then, man? I mean, you got a couple more starts since then against Arizona, against Stanford. You know, dude, we talk to us, man. I'm really interested on in what your perspective is on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I prepare – whatever the event in life is like i'm the star of the event uh just because i for me i can't grade anyone else's performance i can only grade my own uh and i better be giving myself an a so every single week of practice i prepared like i was the starter uh, i would watch film looking thinking about how i could carve these boys up and so yeah. when you know i heard that dorian wouldn't be playing that week it was probably two or three days uh, before the game, I felt ready. You know, I, I I had already performed with the mindset in practice that I was playing that week. So when it happened, it was really just walking into what I've been preparing for. Now we should have won that game. Yeah, uh, it's close. Was, it's close. There were things where I definitely think I could have done better, but I know I competed a hundred percent, and I know I prepared a hundred percent, and so I can make peace with that. And then the next week. We smacked Arizona. Uh, that was my first start in the Rose Bowl. Uh, and then, you know, a few weeks later, uh, executed pretty well against Stanford. So 
I think as a player, I've always had confidence in myself because I've had confidence in my preparation and I take pride in being ready, uh, whatever it is in my life. And so leading up to that Oregon week, it was no different. It was great that it was against Oregon. Uh, it was good to play against Kayvon Thibodeau. A few years later, serendipitously, I, I co-hosted a podcast with J.P. Morgan with Kayvon Thibodeau. So we were able to talk back on that game. Uh, and it's all a blessing. And I'm looking forward to what this season has in store. Oh, that's fantastic, Chase. And, you know, the it seems like college football right now is in a state of flux, in a state of transition with NIL, with the transfer portal, a lot of conversation that, that you're an expert in on legislation moving forward about can universities sort of directly pay their student athletes. There's been conversation, even former coach Chip Kelly talked about kind of geographical breakdown, perhaps, of super conferences and what have you. Where do you see all of this going in terms of college football? You have such a unique lens and perspective, being at the forefront, a thought leader, being on Capitol Hill discussing this very issue. Where do you see kind of the future of college football in terms of equity for programs, equity for the student athletes? Um, and then where should it be going if it's if it's not going where it should be going? I think... Uh... Project D1, the proposal that the NCAA released, uh, is a good starting point. It showcased that Title IX can be reconciled with revenue share. In fact, revenue share might even create a refocus in Title IX in raising money for Olympic sports. Uh, and that it's feasible and players should be paid. Uh, the NCAA operates as an anomaly in, in its market. In the industry of leagues that generate billions of dollars, the NCAA is the only one that doesn't compensate its talent directly, um, even in entertainment. You know, there, there were multiple strikes arguing for equity uh, because that is what's right in this American economy. Uh, if you create value and you do work, you deserve to be paid for it. That That is, that is part of what the American dream rests itself on. And so I think you'll see a legitimization of college athletics in a way that brings in new stakeholders that empowers college athletes and increases their equity in the space and because of that college athletes are the largest group in the ncaa model and now the largest group is finally a stakeholder and we'll truly be advocates for athletes but we'll also be advocates for the industry as a whole and anytime you create new legislation that legitimizes an industry, it enables it to grow rather than, you know, falling short of its maximum output. Well, Chase, I just want to say for both Madman and I, how much we enjoyed having you on, man. This was a blast. Chase Griffin, you're going to be doing bright things on and off the field. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to the presidential run. Just remember us little people when you get there, buddy. <laughs> Thank you so much, man, for having, uh, for coming on the show and being a part of the Bruin community, man. Well, Jamal, thank you so much for having me. Go Bruins. Go Bruins. Go Bruins. <laughs>